0: know love on you and all that kind of stuff and today we want to uncover some of the distortions of cat theology Um, we've said uh, in past weeks that cats are like selfish brides right they're not they don't come to the father they don't come to God uh, for who he is but for what they get from him only for the blessings in a sense and uh, I know that that's an extreme thing we all have a little bit of cat and dog in us probably at some level but that is a cancer that is sort of affecting the body of christ a great a great deal these days i think and last week we saw how cats don't accurately handle the the word of truth or the scriptures right um, the in second timothy two fifteen it says do your best to present yourself to god as one approved a workman who does not need to be ashamed in other words that you do your your job according to what the boss wants you to do according to the boss's words and who correctly handles the word of truth right and that word correctly in the greek is defined as to cut straight or to to proceed on straight paths so to speak or hold a straight course and to do right and uh So it's translated into the English as correctly handle the word of truth. And we want to do that, right? Um, Contrast that, though, with Acts chapter 20, verse 30, where Luke is speaking about how some are being misled from that straight path or that straight truth. And it says, even from your own number, so even some of us in here, maybe, right? Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. Now, the Greek word for distort there is the, is defined as make crooked or mislead or to turn away right so you have crooked versus straight uh, accurate versus distorted and which is really what 's happening in Christianity across the world today. We are having people that are denying the the authority of the scriptures and therefore they are only teaching partly of things and it's just is splitting the church apart and we're having all kinds of difficulties there ask any pastor who's trying to trying to stay true to this stuff and you'll find that out but what we see is cat theology distorts and we'll look at six results of those distortions today Um, now as i said we all kind of struggle with a little bit of being a little bit cat-like or a little bit dog-like sometimes in our faith but um, but we want to think well in order to be able to grow and and to uh, become mature in our faith and things like that. So we're going to f- begin with the first goal, which is a cat's life goal. A cat's life goal. And it almost seems, you know, that you can't tell the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian, you know, in today's day, day and age, right? Maybe it's because both seem to live for the same goal, right? To get and that goal is to get from birth to to death in the safest, happiest, most prosperous way possible. Right? Cats do it in a church context. Non Christians do it outside of the church context, and we could cite examples, but we would be. Uh, probably viewed as being overly critical, and I don't want to do that. So both, But both, really, if you think about it, both pursue the American dream, striving to be as comfortable and safe and happy as possible, right, in this world. And one might stand there and proclaim, praise the Lord, you know, when life works out for them. And the other might, you know, uh, look in the mirror and say, you did it, buddy. Does anybody say buddy anymore? I don't know. You did it, right, you know? But both pursue all the comfort that life has to offer them, right? There's very little difference in lifestyle. Um, then the result is that the cats are not being the salt of the earth or the light of the world. Salt and light. Uh-uh. Matthew chapter 5. But um, get, get, get tattoos. They're great witnessing tools. But anyway, they look, at, they look just like everybody else, don't they? Uh, and their Christianity has been distorted because of this great faulty goal. Now, there's no room for suffering in the things that Christ promised us in that in that kind of a goal. And then we have our second distortion, and it is the, their understanding of who God is. Or maybe we would say their lack of understanding of who God is. Um, you've heard of Build-A-Bear workshops. I don't know if they're still around. They might, they might be. But um, you would go to the store, you'd buy a little... Bear stuff, you know, you buy the, the bear skin, I guess, and the stuff and the clothes and the little accessorizing things to put a, on your bear, sort of to express your inner bear, maybe, I don't know. But it's, a, you know, it's all about you being happy with your product, right? And, and rightly so, you're paying for that product, you should be happy with it. But for cats, instead of a Build-A-Bear workshop, we have a Build-A-God workshop. And so they stand there before all the attributes and all the characteristics of God, standing there looking at the shelves with all those things on the shelf, lordship and righteousness and grace and mercy and all these different things on that shelf, and they say, you know what? I want a God who's holy, but I also want my freedom and I want to have fun, so not too holy. I'll just take a little bit of that for my God, right? And I don't want him to ask too much of me, so lordship is probably not important to me i'm going to leave that on the shelf i'm not going to make that a part part of my god i'm not really sure what righteous means anyway so maybe that doesn't really matter to me you know it might be limiting to me anyway so i'll leave that on the shelf as well wrath sounds really uh, i don't like that at all it sounds mean i don't want to i don't want to worship a mean vengeful god i will not take that i'll leave that on the shelf I do want a God who hates sin, but I only want him to hate the sin that's perpetrated against me. I don't really want him to tell me what my sins are and have me stay away from those. So I, just, I, I might just leave that on the shelf as well, right? Uh, all knowing there are things that I just really don't want my God to know. So, you know, I'll, I'm just being honest, right? And then judge? No way. I don't want to be judged. I want to be accepted. That's it. And, you know, and I could never follow a jealous God. That just seems so petty and stupid to me. So I'm going to leave that on the shelf. But these other things, all these other things on this shelf over here, the loving uh, kindness and the mercy, mercy of God, gracious, patience, you know, peaceful, joyful, beautiful, glorious Savior. I really like those qualities. I'm going to make those a part of my God. So we build our own God, right? And what we want is the woke Jesus. That's what we want. The one who says, I'm now more compassionate and empathetic than ever before. And just to prove it to you, I have taken out, I've removed all the violence from my parables. Right? I've stopped talking about hell. And lastly, when I come back, everybody's just going to get a big old bear hug. Even that rascally little devil, that little troublemaker, I'm going to give him a big bear hug. Because I'm all about love. Right? That's what our woke Jesus says. And like our refrigerator metaphor, oh, by the way, thank you, Albert, for that illustration. Albert showed me that this week. I texted him back. I said, woke Jesus, made it in the sermon. He said, hooray. Yeah. <laughs> but like our refrigerator uh, metaphor last week, you know, we, we stand there, we take what we want, and we leave the rest. And as a result, cats really only know half of God's being, or half of who God is. One side of them, which makes us feel really happy, really safe, really comfortable. We never, ever want to acknowledge God in a way which challenges our safety and our comfort. And as a result, what we know of God isn't incorrect, but it is incomplete. Incomplete. And I haven't said this yet, although I've said that phrase all throughout these sermons I haven't said that if it isn't incomplete when it's talking about truth, then it is incorrect isn't it? when you're talking about theology and the truth of what what, what who God is, if it's not if you don't take the whole picture, it is incorrect so when God's glory demands that we scale back, that we limit ourselves, that we don't just indulge all of our desires that when he challenges challenges us in ways of how we spend our money how we spend our time our talents our sexuality things like that cats think to themselves that can't be i saw him i saw him bless abraham and solomon and david he he must want to bless me like that he must want to give me all that i want he would want me to trust trust him for my best life now so i'll go into debt Trusting the Lord for everything that I want and I desire. Cats have never understood how much God hates sin. Because sin is the exact opposite. And sin destroys and kills his wonderful creation. It's destructive. Even when we feel like our sin is giving us life, it is sapping the life from us. And God hates that. How loving things, even you know, material things, or even like ethereal things like comfort and safety, more than Him, is idolatry. Something which replaces Him on the throne of our lives, and it is sin which we, which God cannot condone because it's the exact opposite of His nature. So because they only know half of who God is or, uh, you know, loving the blessings of God more than God himself and all that kind of stuff. And because their goal in life is to to have the safest, happiest, most comfortable life possible. They make choices in their lives which take them farther away and out of God's presence. And then when God says to us, like in Matthew 28, go, go. Go and make disciples of all the nations. Go, I want you to take my glory out to the Muslim world where there is only one missionary per every one million Muslims in the world. Proportionately, that's not very helpful. A cat's knees buckle when they hear that and they think, no, no way. You know, I, I, I did a short term once. Wasn't that enough? I ate the food. It was terrible. I slept on a dirt floor in some hut someplace. I butchered the language, right? And there's no way I can learn the Arabic or Chinese at this stage of my life. God must be calling me to stay here and somebody else to go. He would never do that to me. You see, they never understood the lordship of Christ. The lordship of Christ, which says that Jesus purchased the right... To say to us, you are to go anywhere, you are to do anything, and you are to say anything for the sake of my glory. They've only known Jesus as Savior and never as Lord. And they miss it because they only know half of who God is. And because their goal in life is to have the safest happiest most comfortable life possible they make bad choices which misdirect their lives and when god says i want you to suffer for the sake of my great name for my holiness for my glory a cat cannot fathom that thought and they think to themselves i didn't give my life to god to suffer i gave my life so that he would bless me blessing makes me feel good so there's no way that god would call me to suffer and because they want safe, happy, prosperous lives, they never see the jealousy of God concerning his glory and how Jesus himself suffered for the glory of the Father. They miss out on the blessings, all those wonderful blessings, of having internationals live in their home, of having a, an unwed pregnant teenager live in their home, of caring for the prisoner, or the poor, or the sick, or anybody like that. And they end up playing life only safe, and never taking risks, because they only know the half of God. And what they know of Him isn't incorrect, but it is incomplete. And when it's incomplete, it is incorrect. Let's look at the third distortion. A cat's shaky assurance of salvation. This is a dangerous one. And I have to be careful on these in in this one. To a cat, there is a guarantee of salvation because they prayed that magic prayer. Right? They prayed that magic prayer. And you ask them, you know, when did you become a believer? And they say, when I was seven years old, I was at church and I felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And so I went up front, I went down the aisle and I accepted the Lord that day and I prayed that prayer. And then you ask them, well, how's life now? Like, what what has God done in your heart and your life? And they say, ah, life's a mess. It's, you know, my wife is probably going to leave me. My marriage is failing. My kids are alienated from me. I'm going to, I overindulge in everything and I'm probably going to get fired. Well, how's your relationship with the Lord? How's that going? Oh, terrible. I'm pretty angry and bitter at God. He doesn't listen to me. He's never, he's let me down so many, so many times. I don't talk to him that much anymore to tell you honestly. And what you find out is there's, there's really no life change. There's really no transformation. But they prayed the prayer. But remember Matthew 13, 44, which says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then he went in his joy and, and, and sold all he had, and he bought that field. Christianity is fueled by joy since we've just we've found such a great treasure in Jesus. Now, I'm not saying that you can measure somebody's salvation just by looking at them at any moment in their life. We all go through very difficult times, and, and some of this has to be couched in life. I mean, David was not really, you wouldn't say David is expressing joy in some of the lament of his psalms, right? And we all go through those times. But we're talking about overlooking a whole life See, cats don't realize that the DNA of conversion has embedded within it the concepts of joy and delight and treasure. And to them, being a Christian embraces only words like decision and prayer and commitment and deed. There's no treasuring, there's no delight, there's no intimacy with God and again don't misread me just because you don't feel close to god all the time does not that does not belie that you are so you're a cat and you don't you're not safe that's not that's not what i'm saying but in a cat's life god's off in a distance he is stoic he's impersonal but they're sure of themselves because they just prayed that magic prayer but nothing's changed nothing's changed you know, old, You know, old, in old days, we used to call it the carnal Christian. Or, or we might say, um, you know, all right, we had just different terms for it. But they've really only ever wanted fire insurance, right? They play the game of church. They, they live their own life the way they want. That often leads to disaster. And sure, they come to God, but they only come to God in great times of need. And, and when things are going well, why speak to Jesus? Why spend the time? No use. George Barna doesn't use the term cat Christian, but he describes them well when he wrote this. He said, one out of every four believers surveyed indicated that they had not experienced great life transformation attributable to their faith. Biblically, this, if you you are reading the Scriptures, if you are walking in this really well, this does put our faith and our relationship with God in question. I I have to look back on my life and evaluate where I am. Matthew seven sixteen through 18 says, You'll recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Remember last week we compared verses which cats don't like? This is probably one of them. Because if our lives aren't radiating the goodness and the joy and the peace of God, the Scriptures would question the validity of our position in Christ, of our relationship to Jesus. Cats fear this verse like you wouldn't believe. And they just answer, well, I prayed the prayer, so I'm good. Cat theology does affect more than just lay people, right, in the church. It also affects church leadership which brings us to our fourth distortion. What happens when a pastor has catitude? I think that's such a creepy picture. (laughs) I I didn't like it, but it was the best one I found. But if a pastor is a cat and a pastor believes, you know, what are his goals for the church, right? And believe me, in my own life, I've struggled in these areas, right? I think all pastors, if they're honest, they do. But if, if if uh it parallels having this safe and happy and prosperous life, then it would be different in form. If the pastor sees the main character of the Bible being people, then you know their goals may be more in line with people and uh, bigger you know happier you know church services, bigger buildings and more staff or bigger budgets and all that kind of stuff. Acts twenty thirty again gives us a hint, even from within your own numbers. Men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. Notice the goal for distorting the truth is to get more and more and more people to follow them. Not to follow Jesus, but to follow them. Bigger buildings, more people, more staff, bigger budget, bigger, 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 better, 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 better programs. More baptisms, better positioning within denominational ranks, looking good. All that stuff. See, I think this is one of the biggest problems right now because uh, a cat can thrive on the digi- in the digital world really easily. Because Th- that's why the local church is most important. Because if Bill meets with me every Thursday morning, which he does, right, he gets to know me. If he comes to my community group as a pastor, he gets to know me. Right. You can watch all these speakers on a, on a video someplace and you never get to know that person. You guys know me, right? Some, some of you don't like some things about me. God bless you for bearing with me in love. But that's the importance of the local church. We cannot last looking at people on a video screen. It doesn't work like that. So if you're watching, come to church. <laughs> I'll, get, I'll get an email about that, sorry. Um, but it is, it's true. We do need physical relationships with people. We need to be in proximity to one another. You need to see how I react, how I treat my wife, how I treat my kids, how I walk through things. And then when I'm not doing it right, you, need, you have the right to say things to me. Kathy, Kathleen, I said, why am I calling you Kathy today? I don't know why. Kathleen uh, talked to me about something this morning. It was really good. That, it wasn't a big confrontation. It was just a really, hey, can I suggest something? And I said, yes, that would be great. And, and we did. We made some changes. And it was helpful but I need that, right? Sorry, I'm going off script here. But, <laughs> but if, people are the, if, if a pastor thinks people are the, the, the main focus of the Bible, then by all means, that pastor cannot preach a sermon which doesn't make people feel good or they will lose everything they're trying to build. They will dismantle their own kingdom, right? Cat pastors can only preach half of God. Half of who God is. The kind, the loving, merciful, gracious side of Jesus. The fuzzy Jesus. Since they feel that that is what people love, that's what people respond to, and it's where their felt needs are. And that'll bring them in to church. If a cat pastor starts to preach the other side of God, his holiness, his distaste for sin, actual injustice, his righteous jealousy for his own glory. Some people will not understand that and they will be offended and they will leave and the cat pastor's goals will not be met. So it's far better for the cat pastor to preach the safe side of God. There's so much material there on the safe side anyway, you could preach on it forever. From the day I was born to the day I die, I could preach on the, the, the loving, merciful, gracious side of Jesus. And why bother with the other side? There's so much material anyway. But it wouldn't be preaching a whole truth. And with this thinking in mind, let's look at some practical examples. Let's evaluate the words spoken by a pastor. And I would, I would probably say this. He would say, we want you to know that we're trusting God for literal, literal miracles in this church. I could say that as a pastor, but how could that be interpreted as cat in nature? Right? And the, the key words are miracles and this church, right? They're talking about miracles in the lives of the people of their church. That's a good thought. Maybe, you know, maybe physical healing, maybe some financial blessing to help a family in need or whatever, something to do with their people. Miracles in this church, but maybe they don't mean miracles in any other church, right? If miracles are happening in other churches, then people will go to those churches, right? And our numbers will go down. So they're trusting God for miracles in this church and this church alone. And every pastor has been guilty of this. We want our church to be thriving. We don't really want the church down the street to be thriving, if we're honest, most most of us are not that honest (laughs) right now it's not necessarily wrong to want miracles in your church right but we can see how it the sentiment the heart behind it could be self-serving cat pastors never want anybody to leave their church one missionary went to the inner city of atlanta once and Um, And he asked if he could mobilize people to go and minister to an apartment block, a huge apartment complex that was very close to the church uh where 72 different foreign languages were spoken and and all these people from all these unreached people groups where you can't get missionaries into were living in this apartment complex and he wanted to just take people over there and start start a ministry to these people but they all worked menial jobs in that apartment complex which meant the only time that they were collectively free was on sunday mornings and that meant that the people from the church would have to go to this apartment complex on a sunday morning and miss services and the mission pastor got really excited about it, right? And, and he told the senior pastor about this possibility. And the senior pastor said, no. How could they miss church? If they miss church, then we won't have them here in the building to worship together. Primarily concerned probably with growing a bigger church greater numbers, denominational status, things like that. His church was of greater importance probably than the lost internationals that were living near his church. Let's look at these sermon series titles and see if they're cat or dog in nature. At first impression, do these, uh, do these uh, sound more God-centered or people-centered? Are, and are they wrong? Grace for every season of life your set time has come speak the blessing speaking the blessing overcoming discouragement god wants to amaze you they could be great they could be good in all honesty right it it depends on what's preached in those sermon series uh some might be purely cat sermons some might be purely dog sermons or it may be a mixture of both it depends really on where the pastor's heart is now compare it to these titles uh, born blind for the glory of God. God's purposes in the recession. He must increase. I must decrease. How to endure to the end. Suffering for God's glory. These seem seem from first glance to have a far greater tendency to be God-centered by their titles alone. Challenging us to realize that this isn't all about us. And just as a pastor can have catitude So can a worship pastor. And I think that Natalie is not like this, by the way. But if a worship pastor is cat-like, right? Their primary concern is do the people like the music, right? So those concerns are couched in the terminology of worship always. Of course, you know, it sounds good. All the talk sounds good. But the cat worship pastor sits there and they think, you know, they like this song last, last week. They really got into it. They were clapping. So we're going to sing that one again. But the dog pa- worship pastor says, these songs are honoring to God. So out of these songs, which ones seem to really draw people closer to Jesus? I, one thing, we, you guys remember Vinny. I was very close to Vinny. We knew each other really well, who was our former worship pastor, got moved to Atlanta. I always really respected how Vinny like, sifted through songs, and there was... There was one particular really popular song that was out there on the radio, and everybody wanted him to do it in church, and he would say, no, I'm not going to do it. I don't like the lyrics. They don't seem to be honoring to God as I would like them to be. And he just said no. <laughs> and he took a few hits on that, right? And I, I thought that was respectful, right? But cat, people focused. Dog, God focused, right? Now, there are pure cat songs out there probably, right? And there are pure dog songs out there, and there are some that have mixed messages, like, let, let's look at the song, Who Am I, right? Look at the first three words, Who Am I? Where is the focus, right? And, it, you know, what about the rest of the words? You, you read them, that, that the Lord of all the earth would care to know my name, would care to feel my hurt. Who am I? That the bright morning star would choose to light the way for my ever-wandering heart. Now, looking at the rest of the song, Where is the Focus?, Uh, not because of who I am but because of what you've done not because what I've done but because of who you are I am a flower quickly fading here today and gone tomorrow a wave tossed in the ocean a vapor in the wind so it seems to the focus seems to maybe switch more to God in that right and at the end he starts out with the word still saying something like even though we're still nothing right you still put your focus on us And what does the song say is the purpose of God focusing on us? What's the message? It still kind of seems on us. I'm not really sure. He hears, he catches us when he falls, though it ends with, I'm yours. It still gives, you know, seems to give this somewhat of a mixed message. It could mean, I'm yours totally to bless. Could be. Sort of like, it's all about me and God blessing me. Or it could really be about glorifying God. Now compare that to this song, which, you seem to, uh, which seems to take you right uh, straight to God in the very first few lines. It says, before the world was made, before you spoke it to be, you were the king of kings. Then it goes on. So it's, al- it's almost a different feel right off. And it ends much like the other one about giving uh, their life to God. And his is at the top, and the, right? And the, the former one is at the bottom in yellow. And we can see a difference in it, Right? One could be taken as more cat-like, one could be taken as more dog-like. The first seems completely focused on glorifying God, the second sort of leaves it open. It may be God's glory, or it may be about God, focusing on them for their benefit. You know, there are many cat and dog songs out there, probably, right? Can, Can a dog worship to a cat song? Of course they can. Right. Can a cat take a dog song and make it totally about them, totally self-centered? Of course they can. What really matters, and this is what we're talking about, is the heart of the worshiper. Right. How is the heart of the worshiper? Are they worshiping God for really who he is or for what he can do for them? So we're not cutting down every worship song out there and saying, you know, you know which extols the blessing of God in a, in a person's life. We're saying, there, let's be good worshipers, right? Let's be good worshipers, and let's be led by worshipers in love with Jesus. I want to say some things, and I, I can't. I, I, it's just too soon. Uh, <laughs> good things, good things. What about youth pastors, right? How can their ministry become distorted? Well, the goal of the youth pastor, right, the cat youth pastor, is to build the youth group, to get them to feel good about, about themselves, to help them get along with their peers and their parents and their siblings, and, you know, guiding through, through morality issues and things like that, um, and, and, you know, to be honest, we create these monsters, don't we? We set up the systems to create a monster. And we, we really leave, leave it to them, and, and we, we have to take ownership in that as well. But if you evaluate the difference between these two, one says, Lord, help them to see that it's cool to be a Christian, right? And then the other, the other guy, I can't even read that, one, it's so small. He says, Lord, bring us, us to all the point where we delight in you and are willing to suffer, even die for your glory. Now, moms and dads, do you want your youth pastor saying that to your kids? (laughs) Maybe not, right? Maybe not. What are they both communicating, though? What are they both saying to our children? So if we're playing, playing hangman with the cat and we were three consonants away, what could be the word which describes what a cat pastor has to do? Anybody good at hangman? entertain that's what he has to do he's got it you got it didn't you they like they did the thing back there entertain that's what we that and we set them up to do that don't we we really do see if they don't entertain kids would just stay home or they'd go someplace else which makes it very difficult for a youth pastor to preach about the other half of god doesn't it As a result, cat youth pastors focus on things like just things, like all-night bowling and lock-ins and beach trips and game nights and concerts, anything to keep them coming, keep them happy, keep them entertained. And what is taught by all that? Cat youth pastors sometimes teach only half of who God is. The fun, easy side, not the tough side of living for His glory. They don't preach suffering and sacrifice and lordship or world mission. They have to keep the youth happy. God's unimpressed with catitude in whatever form it takes in church life. He desires an honest teaching of his word, teaching both sides of who he is, all sides of who he is. There is the loving, kind side of God, but there is also a vengeful, wrathful, jealous side of God. And both are correct. And both glorify God. But that's not very popular in today's narrative. Cats are more worried about people and getting others to follow them. Hence, they only address half of God and they never challenge people to go outside of their comfort zone, which is teaching a distorted truth. It really is. When lay people and senior pastors and worship leaders and youth pastors are dogs, they are so focused on delighting in God and glorifying Him. No matter what the cost, even if it means suffering or death for them. Life's all about glorifying God more than our own comfort and security. So let's, let's avoid living the life of a selfish bride, Right? Let's not allow that cancer to eat away at our relationship with God and our witness. Let's not embrace crooked doctrines. Life isn't all about us. It is all about the glory of God. God's mission, God's glory. And our theology becomes distorted when we regard ourselves as as the main character of Scripture. We are not. God is. So let's be cautious. Let's be aware of possible distortions of truth. Let's adjust our attitudes each time we sense cat-like theology seeping into our thinking. And I want to end today with some words from an article. After I wrote this sermon, I got this article and, uh, it, this Wednesday, and, I, and, and it speaks right into this. So you know that Jason's not the only one saying it. It says, people are starving for the greatness of God. But most of them wouldn't give this diagnosis of their troubled lives. The the majesty of God is an unknown cure to them. There are far more popular prescriptions on the market, but the benefit of any other remedy is brief and shallow. Thus, preaching that which doesn't have the aroma of God's greatness may entertain for a season, but it will not touch the hidden cry of the soul, which begs, show me your glory. Because that's what we all want. Our greatest need, as we walk through the wilderness of this present age, is to see what the Apostle John saw on the Isle of Patmos, a glimpse of the glory of God. Yet, as preachers, we want to connect with the congregation, to be relevant, to meet our flocks where they are. We've heard the protests for more practical sermons. These critics desire sermons which instruct on how I can be a better self, how I can deal with stress in my life, or how I can be more successful. And so, acquiescing to these laments, therapy has replaced theology in much contemporary preaching. Let me say that twice. Therapy has replaced theology In much of contemporary preaching. The self has acquired center stage. And God if he is there at all. Has been marginalized. The focus has shifted from God. Who he is. And what he has done. To self and our activity. To our needs. And our experiences. And I don't want to go there. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank You for Your Spirit. We thank You that You are working despite of all of our trips, all of our uh, failures, all of our uh, misgivings, all of our fickleness. And we pray that You would lead us well, that You would guide us into all truth, that You would teach us and walk with us so that we can be used for the sake of Your glory in this world, for the sake of reaching the nations with your name. And we thank you for that. And in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Uh, Just, I want to end this, and then I think someone's going to come up and share uh, some prayer things with us. But... uh, generosity cultivate generosity for there's four ways actually there's more ways to give there's a black box over there if you brought a check or cash you can put it in that black box on your way out there's also a square card reader back there but the best way for us uh is to go and and get on our automatic funds transfer thing with the breeze our church management system and uh and do it that way um but also uh i want to say i forgot welcome thank you um we have these these little gifts and if you are visiting us even if you're visiting us and you're going to leave today and you know you're never coming back take one um uh, there's also bags of pens and and magnets back out there and these are all right out there outside the door uh we take these i give them to businesses they love them um if you if you are if you would like you can fill out a welcome card and there are places for prayer requests on the back there and you can uh, let us know some stuff about you. We might contact you by email or text or something like that. And then uh, we're having a baptism uh, service July 18th. Uh, if you want to be baptized, you need to talk to me now, and we need to talk through that and what is you know wor- work on what you're going to say and what it means to be baptized and and all that kind of stuff. So please email me Jason at six eight dot org. And then lastly, we have a sharing your faith workshop saturday june 26 nine to three it might actually be uh shorter than that but you can go on the website and just click on that banner and it will take you to the registration page it's only 15 bucks to register if you can't afford 15 bucks just tell us and we'll register you don't worry about it um but we would love to have as many people here that day going through that that uh as as we can there is free lunch that day and also free childcare. so please uh Don't let any of that stand in your way. And uh, I think Katie's going to come share with us.